Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for allowing us, Father God, to assemble in your name, Father God. And we just pray, Father God, that the message go forth today, Father God. We will not leave the, the same as we came, Father God. And we just bless the messenger, Father God, and we bless the message, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone say amen. Somebody needs to be on mute. Okay. Amen. Praise God. All right. We're going to go into our praise. <coughs> Again, we're here a word from the Lord. So involved in that break in the chain because, uh, you know, I was sitting here thinking as I'm listening to that song that, you know, we're all experiencing something. And sometimes we wonder if God is still there. And uh, so what I'm talking about this morning is when life doesn't make sense. That's what we're going to talk about. And for me and for everybody that's uh, joining us for worship this morning, I'm sure there is a place in your life that you're saying, God, this don't make no sense. And uh, what's going on? And why is this happening? We are quick to say to the Lord, why is this happening? And don't you hear me? I've been asking and asking and you haven't answered yet. And what's happening? What did I do wrong? Sometimes we get into that guilt complex. So we're just going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And uh, and uh, we need you to uh, join us as we do this. And uh, I have lost my page. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, Satan. Get out of here. So... We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Father God, we thank you this morning for your precious Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And so we ask that the Holy Spirit would manifest himself uh, this morning to each one of us in our own personal experience with you. In our own life, Father God, wherever we're located in our life this morning, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us through this message. And that, Father God, we wouldn't leave here the way we came. And that, Father, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. And, Father God, I just thank you that nothing is too difficult for you to do for us. So we give you praise and we give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen. And so we know that even for a Christian, life can get pretty, pretty tough. And, you know, one of the things that I try to help people understand when they are new Christians is that this is not going to stop you. Your relationship is not going to stop you from being but he will be there to help you through whatever you're going through. And you will be victorious because God is the one that causes us to have the victory. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. And so with that said, we're going to look this morning 
at uh, what we can do and what we had to uh, understand that trouble is a part of this world. Trouble is of what the inheritance that Adam and Eve left for us because it's connected to sin. Before Adam and Eve were created, there was no sickness, there was no death, and then when God put them in the garden and they started to do what they were told not to do, of course it opened up all those doors that we call trouble now, that we call suffering. So even if our Christian life is perfect, here on earth, there is going to be trouble. There is going to be problems. And so uh, uh, you have to know that Satan is the prince of this world. That's what the scripture Jesus said. He is the prince of this world. But he is not God, you see. And the reason that he became prince of this world is because he thought he was he could outdo God. He was smarter than God. He was an archangel, one of the most beautiful uh, angels with all the musical instruments uh, on the inside of him. You can read about that in Isaiah 14. But he wasn't God, and he couldn't do what God could do. And because he thought he could, God said, well, you got to go. We can't both be up here in heaven, so you got to go. So, of course, then he felt from grace. And he took a third of the angels with him who followed him. You know, there are always people who will be led astray by the devil. And we have to be careful that we're not those people. There are many Christians that have been led astray by the devil. And I always go back to that uh, man uh, that I knew about when I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, to attend Bible College. And he was a graduate of Oral Roberts University. He had been raised in the Church of God in Christ. He was a powerful pastor uh, traveling all over the country. Uh, had a wonderful church there. Jinx, Oklahoma, which is right outside Tulsa. And then he ended up declaring that Jesus was not the only way to be saved. And so, of course, he fell from grace. And he's still here on earth, still preaching that lie, and has a big science of the mind uh, ministry uh, now. Uh, so he's, he's still teaching and preaching the lie. And, and so we can understand that the devil can, the Bible says the devil will deceive the, the very elect. I would have called him the very elect. He was uh, really doing big things for God uh, when he fell from grace and uh, let the devil fool him. So anyway, we know that uh, bad things happen to good people. And there are natural, natural disasters that leave thousands homeless. Uh, the evil and the morally irresponsible come to power. We just saw that in the White House. Uh, not now, but past. <laughs> we saw that how uh, one man, because he didn't win the election, wanted to destroy 
the capital of the United States, wanted to cause havoc because he couldn't have his way. And so we have to know that that is true in this world. And he, if you notice, his uh, uh, ploy was to get the so-called evangelicals, the saved folks, to support his bad behavior. And some of them did. So we need to know that uh, we, we just have to be really careful that we aren't deceived. We aren't deceived by the devil. So God saves, he saves as many as want to be saved. And when you're saved, it doesn't mean that you won't suffer. <laughs> That's where I'm trying to go with this. It doesn't mean that you won't have problems because there are problems in this world. But when you have God, you know that you're going to get the help you need. So look at the picture, the big picture. Uh, some of us are too small to see the big picture. We can't allow ourselves the liberty and the opportunity to see the big picture. So God can see the entire picture. Now, I'm not saying we can see the entire picture, but he can. And he knows what's happening to us. He knows what has happened to us. He knows what will be happening. And he's not just hanging there in the background watching uh, from the darkness. He's there for you in ways you can't even imagine how God is there for you. We can't even imagine how God can protect us and takes care of us. If you could see in the spirit realm, you would see that we are being uh, put in jeopardy every day uh, with the devil and those demons are here. But God protects us. And so we need to know uh, that if we're not for God, where would we be? And then God loves you. That's what you have to know. You are his creation. And he created you in his own image. And He's not a bad, he will not abandon you to the chaos of an uncaring universe. He's not going to abandon us. He, we usually abandon him, but he doesn't abandon us. So to help you remember this and to give you hope in what seems like a hopeless time, we're going to talk about some things that God wants you to know when life doesn't make sense. And so what we want you to know about God is God knows your pain. He knows your pain. And God knew the whole of the universe, including every life within it, before it was ever created. So when we look at Psalms 139, it says, you knew me. That's what the psalmist is saying to God. You knew me when I was yet unformed in my mother's womb. That's how long God has known you. And so before you were ever created, God knew you. And he doesn't see uh, time like us. One day is as uh, it's like a thousand years, uh, or a thousand years is like one day to God. That's what I want to say. And so we, He doesn't see time like us. And so He knows our struggles, and uh, He knows uh, the past and the future, and He grieves for us. He 
grieves for us. He weeps over us. You know, there's a portion of scripture in the New Testament where Jesus looked down over the city of Jerusalem. And the shortest scripture in the in the New Testament, the shortest scripture, I believe, throughout the whole Bible is Jesus wept. You see, he looked out there and he knew what was happening. And he looked out there and he just wept. And he, they grieve for us. God grieves for us. And at times it seems like our suffering falls on deaf ears. But God feels each and every pain alongside us. And when he came to earth in the form of Christ, everything you feel. He experienced loss, physical agony, psychological pain, terror, anger, and sadness. He experienced all of those feelings. And you know, God gives some of us a gift. And that gift is, is that we can feel others' pain in the spirit. And uh, we understand then how to pray for that person. That's what's called intercession, intercessory prayer. When God gives you the burden for that individual, you know what that individual is going through. You feel their pain as you pray for them. And then when you pray through for them, you get a release from that pain. You get a release from that burden. And you know, when I first God first started using me in intercessory prayer. I didn't understand that, you know, and so I think it was my pain. I thought it was my depression. I thought it was my confusion. But when in reality, I was praying for someone, and that's what they were going through. So God has helped us to uh, be able to pray for one another, and he has experienced the things that we're going through. It's time, you know, at times it might seem like your suffering falls on their ears, but God feels each and every pain alongside you. And when Jesus came, uh, Jesus Christ came to the earth, he felt everything you feel. I'm repeating this. He experienced loss, physical agony, psychological pain, terror, anger, and sadness. I want to say that again. So no other God figure in all of mankind's uh, mythology was willing to become weak and to suffer for his people. But the one true God did that. So he understands you and it's active and he's actively involved in the human condition. So far from being some far away figure on a cold throne, God is truly a father, suffering right alongside his children. Your pain, no matter how private, does not go unnoticed, nor is it misunderstood. He knows just how you feel. So then we see in Isaiah 49 and 15 and 16, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palm of my hand. That's what God has said about us, you know. And uh, he uses the example of a mother uh, forgetting. Can she forget her nursing child? 
you know, you can't forget your child no matter what. But a nursing child, you certainly can't forget mothers. Those of you who have uh, breastfed your children, they, you, you know when it's time for that child to eat. That's how perfect God has made our bodies. That you know when it's time for that baby to eat. Even before it starts squirming, even before it starts waking up, you know because your body lets you know it's time to feed the baby. So, you know, God really gives us clear examples. And men, I don't mean to exclude you, but that is the connection between a mother and her child. And so you are connected to your mother in that fashion you were when you were a child, when you were a nursing child. And so we just need to know God knows us really well. So God doesn't just know you, he loves you. And so love is an essential part of God's unchanging nature. And the best part of God's love is unconditional. Unconditional love. He loves you whether you love him. He loved you before you loved him. He loved you before you knew him. He doesn't, he hasn't just started loving. He loved you before you were yet unformed in your mother's womb. So you can't earn the love of God. You can't earn his love. There's just nothing you can do that would cause you to be able to earn his love. And then compounding this, we are creatures of sin, constantly railing against the commands of God. And instead, he gives it freely. He gives us his love freely. And to understand this is to begin to understand God. So 1 John 4 and 8 says, tell us that God does not just love, but that he is love. God is love. That's what that scripture tells us. Love infuses all God does, including his anger, including his wrath and justice. Everything God does is motivated by his uh, perfect love, is motivated by his perfect love. God's love, while bigger than the cosmos, is also personal. He knows you intimately through and through. Your, even your every thought, your habits and movements, nothing is hidden from him, yet he still loves us. You know, we qualify. If you do this, I love you. If you don't do this, I don't love you. But not God. His love is unconditional. So First Peter 5 and 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. We don't know how to do that real well. Because we give it to God, and then we go back and take it back. And we need to release it, take our hands off of it, and let God handle it, realizing that he loves us. And then the next thing is, he fights for us. God fights for us. We uh, are unable to fight our own battles and win, but God fights for us. God acts on his love for us. 
and he has tipped the balance of the world in favor of those who follow him. You see, if we have his favor, you know, then we're going to be all right. And so we need to know that favor, that favor that we have with God is because he loves us. Uh, and we need to uh, understand, uh, it's important to understand how God fights for us. We need to know he does fight for us. And God never promised us an abundance of earthly pleasure. In fact, he outright tells us that life isn't going to be easy. And you can thank the, uh, the fall of Adam and Eve for that. That's how that happened. And if God isn't protecting us against everyone and everything, we might define it as a threat. Then what is he protecting us against? The ultimate enemy is what he's protecting us against. The ultimate enemy being sin. Sin is what threatens to cut us off from God. It's what causes us to suffer in the end. With God's protection, uh, with his protection, his grace, uh, uh, and his grace, sin can no longer make us a slave. Every single command God hands down to us is given for the express purpose of our protection. God knows us best, and he knows the behaviors that lead to human suffering. He doesn't forbid these behaviors out of spite, but for our protection. He does it because he loves us. I don't know, some of you all are my age. But I can remember my mother telling me, and I heard other mothers say that to their children, I'm doing this because I love you, with a switch or with a belt. They were telling you as they hit you, I'm doing this because I love you. And so I need to help you understand that it may not be at the time, but God is doing it for our protection. He's allowing us to experience some things that we know we don't want to live with, that we don't want to continue to happen to us. And then as we understand we don't want that, then he helps us understand how to prevent that from happening again. You know, uh, there's an old saying that says, you know, that... Uh, uh, if a child uh, gets burned, he understands about fire. And that's a hard way to learn. But, you know, you touch the hot pot, you touch the hot stove, you touch something that's hot, and you know not to touch that thing again. Unfortunately, some of us have to go through that in order to understand. And uh, God, God protects us where we are utterly helpless in the spiritual realm. You see, we live in the natural realm, and some of us have no clue about the spiritual realm. It's an unseen world, and spiritual beings are involved. And they, in that unseen realm, affect what goes on in the natural. And so, uh, we have to understand that there's an entire unseen world of spiritual beings which struggle every day on your behalf. That's what angels do. God holds spiritual evil back 
sending out his angels, keeping it from overwhelming you so that you can continue to remain free to choose him, you see. Because those fallen angels that Satan took with him when he was uh, cast out of heaven, those are called demons now. And those demons do their very best to interfere with whatever God is doing for us. And so we have angels. We have our own personal angel, and there's guardian, we call guardian angels, and we have angels that fight for us. So we can't see that because we uh, are not able to look into the spirit realm. But if, if you could look in the spiritual realm right now, you would see that surrounding you are angels that there are angels all over where you are and where I am. We can't see that uh, because we can't see in the spiritual realm. Every once in a while, God gives us a glimpse of what's going on in the spiritual realm. So Deuteronomy 31 and 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. God goes with you. And God gives you strength. I want to help you understand that you have supernatural uh, strength sometimes. Uh, you simply you know that it's not you. You know if it was you, you would crumble. I know if it was me, I would crumble. So there will come days when you feel utterly weak. And you don't feel that you can continue. And you'll be at your lowest place. And it will not, it'll, it'll definitely feel like the end. But it's not. God doesn't promise us freedom from weakness. That will come. Even God as Jesus Christ experienced that. No, what God will give you is strength in weakness. The strength to endure and persevere and to come out greater on the other side. So when Paul begged God to take away the thorn in his flesh, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul didn't muscle his pain away, but simply stood firm through the power of God and continued on. And Paul knew his weakness. And he knew where his strength came from. That same strength is yours for take for the taking. All you have to do is ask, God, give me strength. How many times have I said that to the Lord? Lord, you need to give me strength because I'm not able to make it. You know, my son just uh, was a victim of a, uh, an attack by somebody that he tried to help. And, you know, when they called when the hospital, see the hospital called me uh, and said to me that my son was there and he wanted me to know that he was there and what had happened to him. I said, Lord, give me strength. And you know, I always have uh, known that the devil was trying to kill Chris from a baby on. He has tried to kill Chris. Chris, uh, God is, can, can use Chris in some very, very important ways because otherwise the devil wouldn't be trying to kill him and he's still trying to kill him. But God, you see. And so that woman was intended to kill my son. She did everything she could 
even when he got away from her and went into the neighbor's house, the neighbor had to let her know, you can't come in here. She was bound and determined to kill him. You see, but God said, no, it's not the time for him to leave here. And so he said, no. But you know, when you think about that kind of thing, you have to rejoice because only God kept that woman from killing my son. And you might have gone through some near-death experiences, and you know, if it were not for God, where would you be? If he had not intervened, would you be around today? And it's always that we know that God protects us, and he gives us strength. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. When we can do nothing, God will appear. When we can't go any further, God will appear, and he will take over. So that same strength is yours for the taking. All you have to do is ask. First Corinthians 10 and 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure. A route of escape. That's what he gives us. So God frees you. You know, we are free because of the, the suffering that Jesus Christ experienced on Calvary. No, God needed a perfect sacrifice. And so Jesus had to come in the form of a human being. Christ had to come. Let me clear that up. Christ is the God man. And Jesus is the man God. So you understand the human side of Christ is Jesus. And the God side of Jesus is Christ. So God Jesus is the God-man. And so we, he had to come in order for us to be able to have a perfect sacrifice. So you're made in the image of God. And you possess a free will. God doesn't force you to do anything. I hear people praying and saying, God, make me do this. And God, make me do that. And God is not going to do that. He doesn't. He's not an oppressor. He doesn't make us do anything. We have to willingly surrender. And that's why it takes us so long to get where God wants us to go and to be what God wants us to be. We are a hindrance to ourselves in these flesh and blood bodies. And because we have a will, we allow, are allowed to make decisions. And we really don't need to be making decisions. We need to look to God for all of our direction and guidance for everything in our life. We need to turn it over to him because we really don't have a clue. So you possess a free will and you are made in God's image. So like him, you're able to exercise your free will, choosing how to live for yourself. You don't have to choose God's way. That's what I'm showing. You can and in fact live any way you please. But the consequences for that are going to be yours. While this gives us room to make terrible decisions that cause ourselves and others great misery, it is also an incredible gift. If you're mature enough to handle it. If you consider the implications of free will, 
this gift explains much of what doesn't seem to make sense in the world. For example, why did sin and death enter the world at all? Well, we know why. Because God gave Adam and Eve a choice in the garden. They made a wrong decision. God does not create evil, but he does allow it. His creation uh, is to choose, he allows us to choose our own path. You know, God does not create evil, but he does allow his creation to choose its own path. And that isn't to say he doesn't guide us, he does. But in the end, we either choose God or we choose uh, separate uh, to separate ourselves from him and to go our own way, to our own detriment. That's what our will will take us to, our own detriment. So when things don't seem to make sense, remember that God frees you. He allows you to exercise your will and use it to choose him or you will reap the ultimate reward. No, to choose him and you will reap the ultimate reward. That's what I want to say, because if you don't choose him, you're not going to get a reward. <laughs> the, the wages of sin is death. We see that. We see that in the Romans 6 and 23, I believe, where he says, the wages of sin is death. So you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You can find that scripture in Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. God does not change. And after this, I'm going to have to stop. God does not change. He is immutable. That, and that means uh, that he will never change. Yet, God, God will never change die. He will never falter or fail or stop being who he is forever. He will never do that. So that's what we have to understand is that God, the best part of God's wonderful attributes are they are immutable. They will never change. Your God will never die. He will never falter or fail or stop who is heaven. I want you to remember that. And when the entire world is in an uproar and despair begins to close its dark fingers around you, remember God is soft. He is your unchanging rock, perfect and permanent. This ideal defense uh, is, this is an ideal defense against chaos. This is the ultimate comfort here on earth. We fear for the ones we love. We, we fear for them, you know. And I have to be honest, you know. Uh, Chris uh, has been the child that, you know, I have, I call him my high-risk kid. He's a grown man. He's a grandfather now. But I call him my high-risk kid. You know, so when he learned to ride motorcycles at a young age, and I've always had a fear when he's on that motorcycle. And I have to ask God, please, God, take care of him on that motorcycle. But, you know, I have to remember that there are other ways that the devil can come against him, and that just happens. 
it just happened again. It's not new. Uh, he's been attacked before. Uh, he's been stabbed before. And now, you know, I know that the motorcycle is one thing that could cause him to be harmed. But there are many things that the devil has tried to use against him to kill him. But he's still here by God's mercy and grace. So the ultimate comfort that we have here on earth is that uh, we know uh, that God uh, takes care of our loved ones. We know that we fear for the ones we love. And for those who take care of us and are fortunate, I fear for them. Uh, but the very nature of the world we live in is it's God. It's God who takes care of them. But with God, we have no such worry. He is simply always there for them, just like he's always there for us. Uh, and his trustworthiness doesn't change. That's what Numbers 23:19 said. God is not a man that he should lie. I love this scripture. Now, our son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken it, and will he not make it good? I love that scripture. God is not a man that he should lie. God wants you to know that you can trust him always and take comfort in that beautiful fact. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13 and 8. So the other thing that we have to remember, and I'm doing this is my closing, all will make sense one day. What doesn't make sense to us now will make sense to us one day. And, you know, as we learn, God sees the world in a fundamentally different way than we do. While we see a tiny slice of history measured out in our own span of human years, God sees eternity. And we cannot know his mind, nor can we phantom his plans. What does that scripture say? God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We have to understand that we cannot know his mind, nor can we phantom his plans. We can't even guess at his plans. And this is where faith comes in. God promises us that all of the senselessness of life will eventually make sense. While God doesn't create suffering and sin, even these things he bends to his will. He's the master tactician. He, the highest planner. This declared throughout the, this is declared throughout the Bible. God wants you to know this. He has a handle on things. <coughs> the threads are coming together and directed by his perfect hand. Everything is in his control. We know that. God is in charge. So if you love and follow God, you have nothing to fear in the end. God will reveal his master plan to reach out and take you into his loving arms. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12 says, Now we see things imperfectly, as in a cloudy mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial. 
and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Not something just as God knows me completely. That's First Corinthians 13 and 12. So praise God. And here we are, a solid foundation in the storm of life. God is a solid foundation in the storm of life. God makes sense. No matter how senseless the world around you becomes, he will always be your rock, a solid foundation upon which to build your worldview and your life in the inevitable times of your life, in the inevitable times of weakness and suffering. Remember this and take comfort in the fact that God's there for you and he will never leave you. God will never leave you or forsake you. That's what the word of God tells us, that he makes that promise to us. And he's a God who doesn't lie. He just read that. He's not a son of man that he would repent. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass. And so we need to know that he will always be there for us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He'll be with us until the end. And what will the end be for those of us that are saved? The end will be that we will uh, uh, leave this world, uh, come out of this uh, human body that we're in. We're going to get a glorified body. That's what happened. Jesus, when he left this world, his, his body changed. He has a glorified body, and it's not a flesh and blood body. But Jesus continues to have those holes in his hands, holes in his feet, and the hole in his side, because that's the proof that he paid for our sins on Calvary. That's the proof that he was crucified, and then he died, and he was buried and resurrected on the third day. That's the proof he will forever in eternity have those holes in his hand, holes in his feet, holes in his side, because it proves that we have been bought with a price. And it was not because we were so good but it's because of the love of God. So praise the Lord, saints. That's what I have to tell you this morning. We thank God for each and every one of you. If there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ this morning as their personal Savior, we just want to lead you in a prayer so you can be uh, with the rest of us as we praise God for what he's done for us, what he's still doing for us, how he's taking care of us, how he's keeping us safe, how he had his son, Jesus, pay the price for us. And so we invite you to say this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I know that you died for my sins. You died on Calvary, and you were buried, and you were resurrected on the third day, and now you sit at the right hand of the throne of grace, making intercession for me. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. 
and I ask you to continue to cause me to go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I'm just so happy. I don't know what to do. Every time I tell that story, it makes me excited because I know I have a Savior who makes intercession for me sitting at the right hand of the throne of grace. And for those, if anybody here said that prayer, and that was your first time saying that prayer, I want you to know <clears throat> that you are blessed because you are saved. Those of us that are here are saved. And we're saved under grace. We couldn't buy it. We couldn't uh, steal it. We couldn't do any of those things. But God really gives us that salvation. And it's bought with a cost, though. It's not free. It, it didn't get free. Uh, it's free to us. But Jesus paid the price for our salvation. We couldn't buy it ourselves. We couldn't pay it ourselves. They killed bulls and goats. But they couldn't cause us to have eternal life, to have salvation, to have healing, to have deliverance, to be set free from the bondage of sin. That's what salvation is all about. So we love you today and thank God for you. And we're going to ask Reverend, if he's still with us, to uh, dismiss us. And we want you to have a beautiful day. Amen. So uh, I got a, I got a few things out of that, Pastor. So I'm going right. to... I'm going to tell you, like uh, Sister Sabrina say, I, I got a lot out of that. I learned a lot today, <laughs> as Sister okay. Sabrina would say. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, Father God, we just thank you, Father God. We, we thank you for the message, Father God, and we thank you for the messenger, Father God. And we thank you for her continuance teaching, Father God, for her to continue the teaching, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for each and everyone here today, Father God. And we ask, Father God, as we, we tarry on our week, Father God, that there you are in the midst with us, Father God, that every step we take, Father God, that you are there with us, Father God, as we know the enemy, Father God, may come against us, but we know, Father God, that the enemy can't do anything, Father God, because you are there with us in the midst, Father God. And so we just thank you, Father God. We ask the hedge of protection over each and every one here today, Father God, and we ask that same for every family member represented here today, Father God. We just ask that hedge of protection, Father God. We thank you. We give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone say amen. Amen. Praise amen. God. Amen. Everybody have a blessed one. Yes.
Alright, Bramley, get better. Thank you. All right.